Welcome to season three of Core Stories. I'm Emily Bruff, Communications Director at Otter Creek Church. Many of you will know Melanie Brown as one of our former children's ministers here at Otter Creek. Still well-beloved as she and her husband Jay are very much involved currently here, Melanie reached out to me and wanted to share a very important, formative part of her journey. Thank you for listening. I know you will be blessed by her story. My name is Melanie Brown. So I grew up in Little Rock, Arkansas, and um, after graduating from high school, I went to Harding University. My parents at that same time moved to Dallas, Texas. So in the summers, I would go back to Dallas and it kind of became my new home. And so after college, I moved back to Dallas to work and that's where I met my husband, Jay. We got married there and we had two children who were born there in Dallas. Then we moved to Nashville in 1997. He transferred here for a job. And uh, when we first moved to Nashville, we needed a community. We sought out a church. And through that relationship with that church, I ended up um, being hired as their children's minister. And the church was going through some struggles. There were not many children there my children's age. So when Otter Creek decided to hire a children's minister, I applied. And so we came to Otter Creek in January of 2002 to be introduced. And I was hired on effective March the 1st of that year to work with Janet Crothers in children's ministry. So working in children's ministry at Otter Creek is, I count, as one of the greatest blessings in my life. It um, was very rewarding. I always knew that my work was meaningful. Some people go to work searching for that, but I knew that what I did was important and had meaning. I enjoyed working with all of the different staff people that I worked with, which were many because there were several transitions during that time. I built a beautiful friendship with Janet as co-workers, and we had the blessing of working together and sharing in the work. Um, Otter Creek grew quite a bit, changed a lot during that time. Um, I was given a lot of freedom to introduce new things that um, I look back on now with a lot of happy memories, um, things like preschool praise and um, the music that the children enjoy. Those are particularly powerful things for me to bring here and work with the many volunteers, to be trusted by parents, to partner with them, to raise their children to know the Lord was such a valuable thing to do. As Otter Creek grew, it was harder for me to maintain the relationships with the parents, and um, I questioned whether I was still effective. Um, It became quite a struggle to keep up with the day-to-day operations of the ministry and the relational aspects of the ministry, and I had the privilege of taking a sabbatical from Otter Creek. I think that was October of 2016. And during that time, I wanted to be quiet and seek direction from the Lord about whether I should continue in ministry. And I really wanted a clear cut um, yes or no. But the word that I had from the Lord repeatedly during that time was it will be okay," which was reassuring, but was also testing my faith because I've kind of felt like God was calling on me to be courageous 
and just trust him either way when I didn't know the answer. And over the next several months after I returned, I had several personal experiences and ministry experiences that led me to believe that this was the right time for me to step away from my role as a minister. I felt like there was really something next for me to do. I felt like a chapter was closing here and I felt good about it. I didn't leave with regrets or anger or sadness. I felt good about where children's ministry was and entrusting that to someone else to build on that and take it to the next level. All of that felt good. I still felt like there was something next for me to do. I didn't feel drawn to complete retirement. And, um, but even though I didn't know what it was, I could step out in faith and feel like it was the right time to do that. And so in January of 2017, I let the rest of the ministry staff know that I would be stepping away and I'll continue to work through May. Otter Creek gave me a beautiful send off. I couldn't have asked for more blessings for what lay ahead for me. So I stepped away from the ministry in May of 2017 and that opened closed one chapter and opened a new one for me. And The beginning of that chapter was one of first relief. Doing ministry is not an easy job. It's rewarding, beneficial, fulfilling, but it's not easy. And so I did feel relief with that. And I felt like um, in some ways a weight had been lifted. I had more time. I had energy. Um, I felt excited, rejuvenated, ready for what was going to come next. Unfortunately for me, the next was not revealed for a long time. And it is difficult for me to wait. And I began applying for jobs. Interestingly enough, for someone who's 50 years old, I had never been rejected for a job I had applied for. I had never experienced that. But in this season, I applied for seven jobs and received seven no's, and it was devastating to me. I've always been proud of my work ethic and what I bring to a professional role. Work has been a huge part of my life, and I didn't realize how much it was until I didn't have it anymore. And In some ways, work was a key definer for me. And so when I didn't have work and I was rejected for new jobs, my spirit just began to spiral down. And at that same time, I was face to face with my changed role as a mom, which had been such a huge part of my life because my younger daughter was beginning her senior year in college. My role had shifted long before that, but that was a big moment for me that she was starting her senior year of college. And it became clear to me that my role as a mom was over in the way that it had been. And again, I was transitioning. So I was transitioning in work. I was transitioning at home. Several of my relationships that I had defined myself by shifted And I felt like they were lost to me. And so losing 
a profession, feeling like I had lost a role as a mom and losing some relationships all began to weigh me down to a place where it was hard for me to see what was going to be next for me. I felt particularly insignificant and unnoticed. Um, I can remember coming to Otter Creek on a Sunday morning and watching everyone hustle and bustle around. And I used to be one of the hustlers and I used to be someone that people looked for, that they needed, that they came to. And I thought in my mind, I could just never come back here and it wouldn't matter to anyone. And I see now that that is not the case. But at the time, I felt very insignificant at church, which had been such a huge part of my identity. I felt insignificant at home and to people. As I continued to apply for jobs and seek what was next and really desperately seeking something to fill what I felt like I had lost, it just became hard for me to see that there was a positive end to where I was. I can remember that I would wake up in the mornings and my first thought would be, when can I just go back to sleep? And I spent a big portion of my days sleeping. And one, there are two moments that were pivotal in me deciding that I needed to take some proactive steps for things to be different for me. And one was um, uh, being in the bathtub, taking a bath at night and thinking, I wonder if you just slide under the water and don't come back up. Is that painful? And would God be disappointed in me? And it wasn't because I thought, I want to take my life. I just thought it wouldn't really matter if I wasn't here. And one Saturday morning, I was talking to my husband. I was making pancakes, and we were talking, and I was saying how frustrated and discouraged I was by not finding a job and not knowing what I should do. And he said, it will be okay. And I completely lost it. I began to slam things around. I burst into hysterical crying and said, you don't know that. You don't know that it will all be okay. And I'm terrified because I don't know that it will all be okay which looking back now is very ironic that those are the words that he said, because as I was trying to decide what to do next in my life, the word from the Lord had been, it will all be okay. But to me at that point, I just couldn't imagine that it would all be okay. I just didn't know who I was anymore. I felt like I didn't have a purpose and everything I had defined myself by was missing from my life at that point. Jay and I agreed in that moment that it was, I needed to talk to someone else and we needed to bring in a doctor. And so I made an appointment to go see my doctor. And as she listened to me talk um, and I described things, she said, um, I believe that you're suffering from depression. And I kind of recoiled at that. To me, that was a word of defeat 
and I'm a competitive person and I didn't want to admit any kind of defeat. Um, to hear a doctor tell you that you're depressed was discouraging for me. But on the other hand, it was also kind of a relief because it gave me something, some kind of, it could be a turning point. She could help me with this. And through that experience with the doctor um, and deciding that we would move forward with treatment for depression, medication was involved and therapy. And so that was a turning point for me that began a recovery of a road back to defining myself without all the things I had leaned on in the past. As I began this new experience of truly recognizing some things that were lost to me, it was okay to grieve them because they were important parts of my life, but then I also had to learn to move forward. And so particularly therapy was helpful for me to see myself differently. I clung to the Lord. I really, I think in my relationship with God before I had done a lot of talking, I love to pray and, but I just didn't have so many words for prayer in this time, but I have two chairs in my kitchen where I sit and have quiet time in the morning and I would sit in one and I would literally imagine that Jesus was sitting in the other one with me and across from those chairs is my favorite painting in my house and it is a path on the beach and you can't tell where the path goes and I would just look at that and talk to Jesus and say I don't know where my path is going but if you'll just be here with me. And as I let go of other things that had filled up my life, see how God wanted me to fill my life. At that time, I was in a Bible study in the book of Romans, which is so profound about the sanctification and the redemption that God has given us. And I thought, if God can save me from my sin, he can rescue me from this. And Psalm 40 was particularly powerful to me. Um, David wrote about the rescue of God, pulling him out of a pit, putting him on a rock with a firm place to stand. And although I still felt like my life was really slippery, um, I still felt like I was in a pit. I would pray that Psalm in hope of a firm place to stand, a firm place to land. And between those things and through the women I participated in the Bible study with, I reminded myself of at my core, I am a beloved daughter of God. I went back to a book by Henry Nowen that I had read on my sabbatical, The Life of the Beloved, which does such a good job of painting the picture of who we are in Christ. And I just looked to God to be my sufficiency. And without the other things to hang on to, that became a very real thing to me. It is enough to be a beloved child of God. And that's not an add-on thing to my life. 
to be his child. That is my life. Who I am is loved by him. All the other things flow from that. So as I began to experience that more, and I don't think I could have experienced that more if I hadn't lost the other things. Um, Sometimes you have to let go of things before new things can come in and fill their space. And so learning to be at peace without a job, without children at home, forming new friendships and relationships, um, just trusting him to provide as I needed what I needed became a real peaceful, calm place for me. And I had actually shared with Otter Creek that I had thought about getting a tattoo of the word enough because I really wanted to feel that way. I really wanted to feel like I was enough. I'd spent so much of my life proving and striving and earning. Look at me. Look what I can do. Look how responsible I am. You can count on me. That it was exhausting and had drained me. And when I didn't have anything to prove myself at, I didn't even know who I was anymore. Um, And so it was during this time without all those things that I did get the tattoo. And the word enough is on the inside of my left arm to remind me not just that I'm enough, but that in Christ, I am enough. And he is sufficient. And as believers, we do stand firm behind the fact of knowing that we're saved by him. But actually living that out every day, saved by him, rescued by him, loved by him, um, became more real to me during this time. And I got to experience that. Since then, um, one morning I was, I think I was reading and my older daughter texted me that, um, Bella Bridesmaids where she had bought a dress for a wedding was for sale. And she said, the person they're describing is you, you should do this. And I opened it up and read and I thought I knew I should do this. Not because I have to fill my time, not because I have to prove to people that I can run a business, but this is the next thing God wants me to do. I knew that. And so I brought the information to Jay. Of course, you know, I needed my husband on my team for this and he was completely supportive and we ended up purchasing this business and now I run a bridesmaid's dress store. And it gives me so much joy to help brides in a time where it could be really stressful. Um, I've had so many ministry moments there. I've recently helped a bridesmaid who could barely make it through the fitting. Her divorce had just been finalized the day before, and it was all she could do to come in the store and think about a wedding. And it was a privilege to work with her. And I've had um, brides come in who've lost their mothers. And so it's not a completely happy time. And I feel honored to share with them and help them in a time where they're struggling. A couple who um, the groom was just finished his cancer treatments. And so they were beginning their marriage in hope of healing and beginning their life together. 
And I feel so honored when God puts those people in my path because I understand their struggles. And even though I'm selling dresses, I still feel like I get to listen. I get to help people and I get to minister to them. I have a peaceful feeling about my work. It doesn't feel frantic. It doesn't feel overwhelming. It brings me joy. And the greatest joy in it is to tell people the story that it's all from the Lord. I started a new Bible study this year right before the sale was finalized. And Joshua, when he brought the people into Israel to begin this new chapter in their history, repeatedly told them that everything that they did was for the glory of God. And so that's how I approach my work every day, that it's for the glory of God. It's not about people seeing that I'm responsible or capable. It's about them seeing that he has worked in my life. He is powerful and he keeps his promises to his children and he is faithful and trustworthy. But I also want people to know that I felt the peace and I experienced the peace before I knew what the happy ending was. Just clinging to God can be enough. And not all endings turn out happy and picture perfect. And the goal is not the happy ending. The goal is to just trust to the trust the Lord and where he leads you. If he had never brought me another job, I could have experienced joy just in knowing that I'm his. And I don't know how long this will last. I don't know what's next. But I trust him to lead me and guide me. I don't have to create the ending for myself. Recently, I've had two experiences where people in different situations have shared with me that they felt like I brought peace and calm into certain situations. And that gave me the opportunity to say, I love that you said that because I know for a fact that is God in me. On my own, I am not peace and calm, but with God, I can bring that. With God, I am enough, and people can see that. So I just give all the glory to him for where he's brought me and what he's taught me. During that time, I had a talk with David Rubio, and I talked to him about how insignificant I felt at Otter Creek, and that's when he gave Jay and me the opportunity to work with the ninth graders. And that was a huge blessing for me to work with children that most of them I had known when they were little and to see where they were now and to continue my relationship with them. But volunteering was not something that filled the void. It did reaffirm that I had something to offer, but volunteering in church does not bring the answers. I also exercised a lot during that time, but that was because it had been my habit all along. If someone had told me, you just need to exercise and you feel better, I would not have had the strength to get up and start that habit during that low season. So sometimes there are quick answers that people want to give you, and I'm not trying to say that those quick answers are the answer. They're all helpful things. It is helpful to serve a church. It is helpful for your body and your brain to exercise. But the true healing came from the Lord. If you think or know that you're going through depression, 
Don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be ashamed. I had so many moments where I wondered if God was disappointed in me because we're Christians and we're taught to have hope, but I just didn't have hope at that time. I think in my mind, I knew those words. I had the ultimate hope, but I didn't feel like it day to day. And God can handle that. It's okay. It's not betraying him when you feel discouraged. When you read the Psalms, David cried out to the Lord so many times for rescue and for help. And it's okay to have that. And I hope that anyone who's suffering has some trusted people that they can talk to. For me, definitely, Jay was so solid for me. He believes in me so much, and that makes such a difference in my life. And when I did not have strength and courage and energy, he mustered up enough for both of us, for for our family. And, and then I have some friends that I call my don't blink friends. I could tell them anything, and they would just nod their head and hold my hand and walk forward with me. They wouldn't be shocked. Also, it doesn't, depression doesn't have boundaries. I consider myself to be a spiritually strong person. I was trusted to make spiritual decisions for other people, but this still came at me. So you're not immune and it's not a sign of your own weakness other than your humanity, which everybody is human and prone to something. And for people who know someone who's suffering from depression, be that don't blink person. It's tempting to want to give answers. This is what you need to do or to ask questions. Why would you feel that way? I'm sure some people would look at my life and think, why would she be depressed? She got what she wanted. She wanted to retire and she got to. And um, why would she be sad now? But what people need is somebody to be with them without any judgment about their situation, without trying to give an answer right away. Just be a good listener. Be supportive. It's, it's a long process. It's something that's difficult to work through. And if somebody shares with you that they're feeling depressed, they trust you and um, they just need you to be with them. That's what I really want people to know. God's not disappointed in you. When he chose you, when he loved you, when he saved you, he knows the number of your days. He knows your thoughts, whether you say them out loud or not. He knew this was coming and um, it's not too much for him. He's going to be faithful to you. Core Stories is a ministry of the Otter Creek Church in Brentwood, Tennessee. To find more stories, go to ottercreek.org stories or follow us on Instagram at Otter Creek Church.